Hey, I want you to read this first screen with me today. Let's read this together. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Are y'all reading? Let's read this together. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to love. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's my job to what, church? Dwight L. Moody, great pastor, once said this. Of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The 99 will read the Christian. Brennan Manning, pastor, author, said this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Dave Burkett, actually a a, a sports anchor and, 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 and TV guy said this, Christians like physicians should vow to do no harm, but forgive us, Lord, because we do. To paraphrase another author, Matthew Turner, suck. We do. There's no way around it. We are all messed up in one way or another when it comes to our relationships and and, and how we deal with them. We have all, we have all at one time said something utterly stupid, haven't we? We, We've done something hurtful at some point in our life or, or at some point in your life, you have thought something that we know we shouldn't have about someone else. Maybe even a fellow brother or sister in Christ, someone who belongs to your spiritual family. You know, it is so easy to, to feel superior when we, when we know that God's grace is available to us, right? We are people of grace. And, and, and for some of us, it just maybe we, we may just seem, you know, we're just a little bit better than you. Yet it's so easy for us to forget that that same grace applies to everyone else, correct? Today, we've chosen a, a verse, a passage that we're going to look at in, in, in Matthew chapter 7. It, it is a very, very popular passage, a very, there is, especially the first verse, is very popular in our culture today. In fact, if you Google this, on Google, I found this, that, that the, these words judge not, the, these words get four times as many searches per month as the words, for God so loved the world. I, I think this may, might be non-believers' favorite verse, seven, verse one. Non-believers love to quote this verse to Christians who, who dare to confront them. And so today I've chosen to look at this passage so that we can come to an understanding of what judge really means. Is that Okay. Jesus said it means it's probably pretty important, correct? And would you not agree with me? It's probably something that for far too long we have abused in the church. Who's ready? Okay. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, says this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use and judged. 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck, uh, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrites. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus spoke these words in probably the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5 and it goes through Matthew chapter 7. You know a sermon's pretty good when it takes three chapters, amen? You get upset over 27 to 30 minutes that I speak, but this was a major, major sermon. Jesus is speaking these words. It's a part of this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And the word that he uses here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge, it means this when he spoke it. It means to condemn. You see, what Jesus was saying here to the audience in in Matthew chapter 7, he was saying, don't condemn others so that you won't be condemned. You see, here's what was happening back in the day. There was a religious group of people known as the Pharisees that were law abiders, rule keepers. And there was no ounce of grace, or I would even say potentially love within them. They they were condemning people, judging them, but really condemning them, Jesus said, by the way that they responded to those who just weren't living up to the standard. Interesting that they probably set. Now they thought they were doing the right thing, that these were the laws of God and the rules and all that, but they were missing out on something called grace that Jesus came to establish. We're familiar with these words, aren't we, in Matthew? You heard those words, do not judge, don't you judge me, right? In fact, some of you might have been not guilty, but you probably have used those words at some point in your life. Don't judge me, Perhaps our familiarity with these words are are due to the fact that so many of us insist on judging others. We're willing to entertain conversation about most anyone who who makes a mistake or does something wrong, aren't we? Even when it has nothing to do with us, we'll, we'll, we'll chime in on what we think. Something in us likes to see people pay for their misdeeds. And so what we do so often is we attack. Our attacks, they come in the forms of jokes, maybe even Facebook banter and conversations. We, we call people names. We, we label others. We, we race to characterize and make sure others know what our thoughts are on the situation. It's, it's a kind of, of public punishment that, that somehow we think that we get to enforce. And so we launch these toxic crippling words as a way of inflicting harm on those we believe, well, they should just know better, shouldn't they? Am I talking to anybody today? It gets worse. Conversations abound of of how people, even within the church, cast judgment on others. Now, 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 hear my heart. Yes, indeed, we are to discern good from evil. We are. Are you with me, church? We, we are to be able to discern good from evil. 
But what happens is we insist on judgment as a form of condemnation. In fact, from, from, from the people that I've met, from, from people that I have talked to, it, it may, this, this may very well be the, the single greatest reason that, that men and women choose to leave the church altogether. We fail to see our form of judgment and, and punishment. It, it, it creates this great divide, guys, and it's forcing people out. Over the, over the last nine years, I, I, I can't tell you how many people that, that, that I have met who have, who, this is their story, I've not been to church in years. And, and, and their reason was really simple. They felt, they felt condemned. They felt condemned. Maybe it was because they, they, they made a mistake when they were younger or, or something has happened uh, in, in their life. But, but for whatever reason, they felt judged, they felt condemned, and they just chose this. Hey, listen, I don't need that. I, I don't want that. And, and, and if that's what I get in, in God's house, oh, I'm done with it. Does that make sense to anybody? The attitude and words of, of, of those in the church told these people, hey, you're not what they leave. And, and to this day, in fact, maybe even some of you in, in this room today, even some of you, maybe even today are still carrying around the wounds that were inflicted by others. We, we, we fail to see our form of judgment and punishment only creates a divide. And guys, it is forcing people out. Hmm. Yet no matter how often we hear Jesus's words, don't judge or who are you to judge or don't condemn. No matter how often we hear those words, we just can't seem to stop. Maybe we, we cannot stop judging and punishing others because something about it feeds us. And our appetite a lot of times is insatiable, isn't it? We're going to be satisfied. Hey, listen, when we stand as, as judge and jury and executioner over, over someone else, it gives us, doesn't it, kind of this, this feeling, this sense of, of being a little superior and righteous. And, and let's just be honest. The alternative to that just does not give us the same feeling. You see, the alternative is of course what I'm speaking about is seeking to reconcile, seeking to restore, seeking to renew. That's the alternative. And I think I have that for you. That's the alternative to judging. That's the alternative to us condemning and, and acting like we are the one that, that has it all together. This idea does nothing to feed us, does it? Rather, it, it, it asks us, when you approach it from this perspective, this asks us to feed others. Even those who should know better. Even those that have wronged us. You see, the alternative demands that we stand under the other person. This alternative demands that we recognize that we are all in need. And say all. We are all in need of this, aren't we? We are all in need of reconciliation. Church, make no mistake about it. 
The people of God are called to be ministers of reconciliation. And we cannot take a step toward that call until we first love. Love. Let me say it again. Love. It's funny how, how loving first seems to temper any judging that may follow. It just kind of changes my attitude. It changes my spirit. It, it changes my view towards something or someone. Hey, listen, I, I find it difficult to criticize anyone. You know what? My own failings are always before me. I'm cognizant of that. If, if I have inner, any energy left at the end of the day, it's probably best spent for me cleaning my own house rather than telling my neighbor how to clean up his. You know, the world has largely closed its ears to the message of the gospel because we Christians, we Christ followers, we, we people in the church, we can't seem to get our own house in order before telling everyone else how to clean up theirs. What do you mean, Jason? I'm here today. I, yeah, you are. But guys, can I tell you something? The statistics for, for unrighteous living in the church compared to those outside the church are not very different. They're the same. And that's pride. And God hates pride more than just about any other sin. You know that. And for us to think that we've got it all together, we are judge and we're jury and, and, and we can just sock it to you because we see something in you that's just not right. You what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, hey, bro, hey, sis, why don't you take care of that log in your eye first? But why don't you examine yourself first? Listen, I am in no position to condemn someone. In fact, the Pharisees were taking it to, to, to such an extreme that, 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 that they were just really making people feel like that there was absolutely no hope for them. That God was so upset with them, with people, because of what they had done or the way that they were living. There was absolutely no hope. You're doomed. See ya. Is that the message of the gospel? Is that really what we believe and promote? In fact, it's quite the opposite. He came to lay down his life. He came to die so that those of us that were far from God, and make no mistake about it, all of us were, but he came to make a way so that there would be hope. Can you imagine living in a world where there was no hope? There was no hope of you ever changing or life ever becoming better. I mean, survey our culture today. Are you excited about what you see going on? Man, I'm telling you, sometimes the only hope we have to hang our hat on, the only hope we can rest in is knowing that just as we sang, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again. Somebody ought to clap and say amen right there. That is our hope. But it's not because of anything we've done. And it's not about us working harder or going more or giving more. It's because of what Jesus has done. And that's what Jesus was trying to combat here in Matthew 7. The religious leaders had screwed things up. 
I know that that would never happen today, would it? And Jesus was trying to correct a problem. But listen, I'm in no position to condemn someone. It's not for me to say who is or is not going to hell. That's for God to decide. You remember what we started with? It's God's job to judge. But let me throw you a curveball here. If judge not means that Christians are to abstain from all moral evaluations, all assessments of good and bad, then, then, then Jesus contradicts himself in the analogy that follows his famous command here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Did you catch it? You see, after telling the hypocrite in, 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 in verses 2 and 3 to remove the log from his, instructs him to take the speck from his neighbor's eye. A, a flaw of some sort that without someone's help, his neighbor would be unable to recognize. In fact, just let me remind you of several passages of Scripture Jesus' disciples are frequently urged to make moral judgments. In fact, in Matthew 7, 16, they are urged to evaluate prophets by their fruits. In, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 6 and 12, he's, his disciples are urged to identify the false teachings of the Pharisees. In, in, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, his disciples are urged to point out the faults in other believers. If these aren't judgments, then what are they? So you see, Jesus is not saying that we're not supposed to recognize right from wrong. And I believe that he's also encouraging us that somehow we've got to also help others in the faith understand right from wrong. In a loving way. You see, I should apply discernment. I should apply wisdom and even judgment with fellow believers. J judgment is an evaluation. It, it, it's an evaluation. It's, it's, it's me saying to another believer, hey, hey, listen, I, I don't think you're, you're doing as well as you could be doing. Or, or hey, can, can I encourage you with something? So, so, so in a way, we should apply judgment, but not condemnation. Are you with me? We, we, we should apply judgment in a way, but not condemnation. We, we want to lovingly tell the truth from God's word with humility. We, we should want to help that full potential as a follower of Jesus. But let me encourage you with something. Let me encourage you to withhold judgment without first examining yourself. We don't do that. We don't do that, do we? Oh, let me just point out where you're missing it. Without first examining ourselves. That's what Jesus said here in Matthew 7. He said, you need to take the log out of your eye before you help your neighbor with the speck in his. Is that right? You need to examine yourself first 
You, you, you need to make sure that, that you're right. You need to make sure that, that your heart and your spirit and, and, and your motive for, for going to a, a brother and sister. I, I was telling, we, we, we kind of, we had kind of a little discussion in our home about this very thing this week. And, 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 and I had to correct my wife. Just kidding. No, no, no. It was good conversation. Good. I'm in so much trouble right now. I would want someone to point out if I'm not on the path I should be. I I would want someone that I have relationship with and that's the key. That's the key. So someone that has earned the right to speak into me. That, that's what I love about our, I see Ben, Ben's one of, Ben raised one of our elders here. I, I love our elders and, and Ben, let's just be honest over the course of us nine years together, have there not been times in which we've kind of had to love, correct and speak into one another. But I know that, that Ben loves me and I know that he's got my best intentions and, and that's his desire. That's his heart. Relationship is the key. And, and I think that that's what the unbelievers or those outside, the, they just don't know us. And they, all they do is see us pointing and yelling and screaming and picketing and boy, they, that's all they see. They don't see the love. And, and make no mistake, I think I said this last week or week before. I can't remember. I said it. Review the tape and Listen. Why would we expect those without Jesus to act holy or righteous? They don't know the difference. That's all they know is is the way they live, guys. But for those of us who are in the truth, hopefully we know better. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you know better. Right? Examine yourself first. Take the log out of your eye and help your neighbor with the speck. In his. You know, one of the things that I think this house ought to stand for and represent is that we can be honest, open, and transparent. We can be vulnerable with one another. I believe that if there's any other environment on the face of the planet in which we can be that, it ought to be here. We can be honest. That we don't have to walk in here looking like everything's all put together and life is great and rosy. We're all fellow strugglers. We're all, every one of you are dealing with something today. You know that, right? There's an issue. There's a struggle you're facing. There's probably even a sin problem right now. Think about a sin problem. There's probably something all of us have, right? I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but mine's not as big as, (laughs) you better watch out. You better watch out. Can I just tell you something about this environment real quick? Church isn't meant to be about people who mask their brokenness with good acts. Church isn't meant to be about perfect people, but about confessed people. Guys, we should be able to, to, to say these things. We should be able to share our secrets. We should be able to share our sins, our mistakes, and receive love and acceptance from Jesus, but also from church people too. You know that, right? And let me remind you how we started today, that very first slide. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's my job to what? To love. To love. Now I want you to just think for a moment about Jesus. 
Think about all of the confessions and the secrets and the mistakes and hopes that he must have heard from his time on earth that people shared with him. In fact, just think for a moment about just the one, one, one that was caught in adultery. You remember that story? Remember when Jesus walked up onto the scene that day, this woman was about to be stoned. The, the religious leaders had condemned her and they were taking the law in their own hands, literally ready to stone her. Where was the man that she had been accused sleeping with? It was not her husband. That's why she was being stoned, right? Jesus enters the foray and he come and he, he, he reminds the religious people, he reminds those there that day that he who is without what? Cast the first one. You see, he came not to only save the girl that day from her sin, but he also came to save all of those men holding stones from their hypocritical lives. Jesus came with love and he came with tenderness that day and he came with tact. He did not scream and shout, but yet he quieted them with his love. And after he loved them, he said, now go and sin no more. After he loved them, loved them, now go and sin no more. Church, listen, love, not judgment, goes before a changed life. Brokenness, not perfection, goes before a changed life. I think it's a time for us as a church to deal with our junk and funk first. Abide and, and, and to represent our Lord and Savior, to emulate Him in a world. Let's just be honest with you. We need to deal with our stuff, don't we? And we don't. We don't. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. And I just want to speak over you for just a a second or two. What wouldn't you tell a savior who who would love you into wholeness? Why wouldn't wouldn't you tell him every secret and and mistake? And why wouldn't you tell this savior who, who desires the very best? Why wouldn't you tell him every hope you've ever had? Why wouldn't you? Hey, listen, is there room in your faith? Is there room in your relationships for confession? Both for you to share those things, even with others about, hey, this is where I'm at. I just gotta, what would happen if we could do that with that fear of rejection and condemnation and judgment? Hey, church, listen, I think that we've got to do business with our own stuff before we can truly live for Jesus outside this house. So here's what we're going to do today. Lights out, no one looking around every head. I'm just going to invite you today, if you just want to come to the altar, to the front, and just spend some time with our Savior today, and just come and just kneel here. It's, It's you declaring today. You can come right now. It's you declaring right now. 
Lord, listen, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. And Lord, I'm just laying it at your feet today. I'm laying it at the altar. And I just want to give it to you. Maybe for some of you, it's the spirit of condemnation. You've been a judge, jury, and executioner. And today you need to come and just seek forgiveness of that. Maybe for some of you, it's say, you know what? I need to love first. But this is not about us thinking about other people and what's wrong with our world and what's wrong with them. This is a time for us as the church to get ourselves up the house first. To declare before the Lord, hey Lord, this is where I'm at and I'm asking you, Father, to forgive me.